Thanks, Steve and Catherine, for honoring me, us this way. It's really great of you to do that in the church council. Uh, I'm really happy to talk about our legacy, sort of Trinity's legacy, your legacy, and how they intertwine. Uh, but first, let me just say um, to all of you online, it's good to see you, and so many of you, uh, thanks for being here. It's uh, gracious and kind to express your love that way. And um, John, who's in the hospital, John, God bless you, and may your healing come to you. Uh, before I get into it, I want to brief word what Jan and I have been doing since we retired here in 2016. We rested for six months. We were exhausted. You wore us out. And... Uh, then we uh, took an interim in Clearwater, Florida. It turned out four months turned into 16 months, and that was a great experience at Heritage United Methodist Church. And then Pasadena Community Church, a Methodist church in St. Petersburg for a year. And, and then COVID hit, and then we came back here and kind of did what everybody else did, except we played pickleball two mornings a week for two hours each time, Monday and Wednesday, with members of this congregation, Pat and Debbie Doney, and that was fun. We did some remodeling of our house. We tra- traveled whenever we could, and we loved traveling. So, And then last, last February, our granddaughter, Riley, uh, said to me, uh, Jan, he says, hey, Grandpa, you want to take us to, how about if you take us skiing out west? And I was really touched that she wanted us to take her skiing. And then she said, because this could be your last chance. <laughs> And, 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 and I tried to process that. She quickly tried to assure me that it had nothing to do with morbidity or anything like that. It was just I might be my last time I'd want to do it. Well, we went. We had a great time, she and Holden and Jan and I. And they left us behind as they flew down the hill. And then uh, I was so touched that Steve and Catherine not, not only arranged for this today, but then asked me to preach. And then they said, this might be your last chance. <laughs> I don't know quite what all that's about, but, uh, and then a few weeks ago, I was preaching at the Wednesday chapel service, and I, I mentioned the stained glass window that's up there on the other side of the wall, and sort of the welcoming Christ who's standing there by Possum Creek, it was all intentional, and then the glass chapel and some things about that, and a lot of people didn't know that story, and so on the way out, Catherine said, you really ought to tell some of these stories, and so I've been doing some of it on Facebook, and many of you responded about how much you appreciated that. And so I, I thought I might pick up on some of that today as I remember, because uh, it's, it's important to remember, isn't it? Our, our scripture lesson this morning is from Psalm 16, verse 6. And it says, the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. I have a goodly heritage. Think about your heritage a minute. <laughs> I want us to think a little bit about Trinity's heritage And then part of that heritage is because you have this deep sense of the love of God. 1 John 4, 7 to 8, Beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God. And here's probably the only clear definition of who God is. For God is love. For God is love. So, whether you're celebrating your father, your uncle, your pastor, a grandfather, a coach, you have a good heritage. And Trinity has, and it's important, as I say, to remember. There's a Hebrew word called zakar that talks about remembering, how important it is. It runs throughout the whole Old Testament, particularly a little bit in the New Testament. And so if you have Jewish friends, if you've ever been to Passover with them, you'll know that one of the littler children gets up at the, sometime in the meal and says, 
a father or mother, why do we celebrate this meal? And they'll give them the opportunity to tell the story because once we were slaves, once we were slaves in Egypt and God with a mighty act brought us out of the bondage into freedom and that's who we are and that's our identity and so we'll never forget who we are. So part of what I want to do today is help you remember. Jesus also said, do this in remembrance of me. Sometimes people only see Jesus remembering his death and resurrection, but he, he wants you to, wants to remember his life, his teaching, his example, who he was and what he's about. Do this in remembrance of me. I never forget Lance Morrow, who used to write for Time magazine. He, he talked about how Jewish people go into the future. They're like on a jet plane going fast into the future, but their seats are faced backwards <laughs> because they're remembering. And it's that remembering. It's partly why so many of you are into Ancestry.com or the DNA and all that stuff. You want to you know where you come from. And so that you, as Garrison Keillor said, he used to listen to his Uncle Lynn. And he lay on the floor and listened to Lynn tell stories. And it gave him a sense that he wasn't just a chip floating on the ocean, but he was somebody. So your heritage, your remembrance. So imagine with me 60 plus years ago, Gainesville is a very small town. Uh, at that time, there was a corner of 34th Street and 8th Avenue, and there were two dirt roads at the edge of the town, and people had a vision. So here's some of the people who had the vision. There's Buddy Crone and his wife, Jessie. I never knew Jessie, but I heard so many stories about her. And then Howard and Grace Miller, and then uh, Joe Holland, and Evan Lou Kiter. I can't get all of those people who were there. Evan Lou gave this window, by the way. And Doug and Bunny Campbell, who didn't really want to move from 8th Avenue to here, but they did. And, uh, and they had this vision that the love of God ought to be shared with people around. And so they started this new church and they, they really got going and it became a big deal. They did, as Mother Teresa said, they did ordinary things with extraordinary love. Now, I don't know all the preachers on the back wall. I know some of them, not all of them. But you know, many of you know that Odin Martin and Sandra jump-started everything. And when they were here and the things just took off and Dean was such a dynamic, challenging, brilliant, great wisdom, great guidance, great sayings and Pidge Boyles put a lot of them into a calligraphy of a cross. And when I was doing these things on Facebook, somebody shared those and I said, I'm going to copy three or four of those off and I'm going to share some of Dean's wisdom with you and they're going to be some really good stuff. My, the real friends are those who, when you've made a fool of yourself, don't think you've done a permanent job. Isn't that good? Wait a minute, I'm going to stay with that first one for a second. Real friends are people when you've done a, made a fool of yourself, don't think you've done a permanent job. I mean, that's what real friends are, aren't they? They forgive. And when I look back over my 22, our 22 years here and some of the stupid mistakes and colossal mistakes I made, thank God you didn't think I did a, per well, you told me I didn't think I did a permanent job. <laughs> the next one is, if 10,000 people say a stupid thing, it's still a stupid thing. It's true. I really like this next one. We're as, well, no, I don't like this one. I wish you hadn't said this one. I wish I hadn't read it. We are as close to God as the person we love the least. Does anybody come to your mind? <laughs> Actually, as I prepared, that's one of the disadvantages of preaching, isn't it? I mean, it gets here. So I'm preaching and I'm thinking, I'm going to talk about that. And then I remembered somebody, not a member of this congregation, uh, <laughs> who I really struggle with. Uh, some of you know, at any rate, I, I really struggle with this. And so I reached out to this person because I thought he's right. 
We're as close to God as the person we love the least. And then there's this next one. Encouragement is more important than being right. Jan said to me, could you read that again? (laughs) Don't you wish your spouse knew this? Anyway, encouragement is more important than being right. Now, Now, not everybody believes that. But it's true. Because most people are going to figure out how to get things done. I mean, they're going to get there. If you give them space and encouragement. I've told this story before, but I'm going to tell it again because it might be my last chance. And uh, so i never forget, we were, Gene Williams and I were driving in the, her, the lead car for this funeral from 8th Avenue back in the day up to Forest Meadows. And we come up and the cars are going every which way. It's a little scary, a little risky. And we finally get to where we turn into Forest Meadows and there's this big truck coming. And I thought, oh my gosh, with everything that's happened. And I thought, what's he going to do? So he, but he pulls over, takes off his cowboy hat, puts it over his heart. I thought, oh my gosh, this is so powerful. And I turn around, I'm going to remember this. I'm going to make a sermon out of this somehow. And I look back and it was the porta potty guy. And I thought, wow. And I told that story the next Sunday in church. And Reeves Bird said to me, you know, there's only two of these companies in town. You could probably find out. So one thing led to another. I found out it was Bob Tolley. I went and met him. And when he got off work, he looked at me like, who are you and what do you want? And I said, Bob, I told him the story. I said, tell me about that. How, why did you do that? He said, that's just the way I was raised. And then I said to him, do you go to church somewhere? Hoping he would say Trinity United Methodist Church. But... <laughs> He said, no, I don't. I stopped going when I was 21. I said, really? He said, I used to go to a Baptist church. I'm not picking. Yes, I am picking on Baptists, I guess. But anyway, that's, I'm just telling you what he told me. I used to go to a Baptist church, but somebody told me you can't come to this church. You can't be a part of this church and drink beer and go fishing on Sunday. And I said to myself later, now, how different would his life be if that person had encouraged him? <laughs> Instead of correcting him or instead of telling him what they thought he could or couldn't do. Encouragement is far more important than being right. And I need to learn that and maybe you need to learn that. Uh, the next one is Christianity is a relationship, not a dogma or a belief. I think Dean said this. If he didn't, he should have. But I think he said this. Now, not everybody believes this either. We're so bent on being right and knowing the right stuff. I think Jesus wanted us to be in relationship with him. That's what it was about. It's a relationship. It's not a dogma or a belief. Focus on dogma leads to who's in and who's out. It led to the inquisitions in the 16th and 15th century. I mean, it led to people being burned at the stake. It It led to which is being burned in Massachusetts. It goes on to all these crazy things. It's who's right and who's wrong, who fits and who doesn't. It leads to division. But if we focus on the relationship and let God worry about the other stuff. Someone said God doesn't need people to tell everybody who's what's right. He needs people to love other people. And then the last one, Tom Filmer told me this one, that Dean said this. Choose your ruts wisely because you're going to be in them a long time. (laughs) You know there's some truth to that in there. Choose your ruts wisely because you're going to be into a long time. I want to focus on these last two. These last two. Christianity 
is a relationship to be lived, not a dogma to be defended or to be used as a club. Christianity has gotten a bad name recently. It's become toxic for some. It's become irrelevant for others. Uh, People are leaving the church by the thousands. The number of people who believe in God in America now is lower than it's ever been. The number of people who identify as Christians is lower than it's ever been. I don't think they've given up on Jesus or his brand of Christianity. People will love Jesus if they get to know Jesus, but they've given up on a brand that cares more about power and control, who's in and who's out, that says one thing and does the opposite, that focuses on things Jesus never talked about. You know what I'm saying? Do y'all ever say amen anymore? Never mind, that's all right. Where's David Allen when I need him? All right. uh. As Diana Bass writes, whatever happens, I hope none of us will ever forget the Jesus we have met in our own lives. I hope we'll never forget the Jesus we met in our own lives, who has been with us in our fears and confusions and loss, the Jesus who loves us and invites us to love him back. That's what it's all about. It's a relationship to be lived, not a dogma to be leveraged. We've all probably been aware of and shocked at, surprised at the recent report detailing the shocking moral collapse of the Southern Baptist Church about their mishandling of sexual abuse cases over a many-year period, sometimes shaming persons who've come forward, covering up persons denigrating people who've spoken out. David Brooks asked the question all of us are asking, how? How in the world, how in the world can so many people who believe the right creeds, affirm the right scriptures, the scriptures, hold to the historic doctrines of the church, how, have given or listened to thousands of pious sermons, how can they do this? And David Brooks' answered, echoes what Dean said 40, 50 years ago. Here's what David Brooks said. The fact is, moral behavior doesn't start with having the right beliefs. Would you have said it that way? (laughs) I I probably would have thought, yes, it does. The fact is, moral behavior doesn't start with having the right beliefs. Moral behavior starts with an act, the act of seeing the full humanity of other people. Moral behavior is a relationship. It's not about having the right intellectual concepts in your head. It's about seeing other people with the eyes of the heart, seeing them in their full experience, suffering with their full suffering, walking with them on their path. Jeez, right. And when we do that, we don't abuse them. We don't denigrate them. We don't, well, you know, all of that. Or this Episcopal bishop said it this way. It's funny, isn't it? You can preach a judgmental, vengeful, and angry God and nobody will mind. You know why they don't mind? They always have somebody else in mind who's going to get God's wrath. (laughs) Sure. But you start preaching a God that's too accepting, too loving, too forgiving, too merciful, too kind, too much like Jesus, and you're in big trouble. Isn't that weird? That leads me to Dean's final point. Choose your ruts wisely because you're going to be in them a long time. And see, 60 years ago, plus 63 years ago, Trinity chose the rut of living in a relationship with a God who's too accepting, too loving, too merciful, too kind. And what a legacy it's been to itself, to the community, to the world. As I say, this relationship was supercharged with Dean and Sandra, and she was a powerhouse. She was dynamic and amazing. So honored that she came back and served on the staff for a while. 
but it's embodied by George and Priscilla Pridgen. Many of you knew George and Priscilla and so many of you who here, I can't pick everybody out, but George and Priscilla stood out. They were just, they were the embodiment of God's love. George made 22,000 personal home visits, took notes. I mean, the visits were like 30, 40 minutes long. He, everybody loved George. George was one of the first people to buy a Prius because he cared so much about creation and the environment. Uh, he was a social justice embodied with a kindness. He's, he's and Priscilla, sunlight, sunshine, sunlight. Uh, and she did so many wonderful things. And there's Rebecca Brown who loved the kids, related their music to the Christian faith. Jean Evans who loved children. Uh, the other day I had a phone conversation with a doctor at UF and uh, turned out to be a kid who grew up in Trinity, Michael Tudin, some of you know him. Uh, I'm getting old, uh, right Riley? Uh, Jimmy and Jean Crook uh, who showed kindness with their visionary, Jean and Susie Todd. Uh, some of you remember how funny they, Susie Todd was and Marsha Wiggins frame who showed that God could call and love women in ministry. You see, Trinity could have chosen that moralistic, judgmental, critical God of fear. That would have been choosing a rut of a whole different kind, a very different legacy. And many of you wouldn't be here. You would have either been excluded or wouldn't have been chosen. Thank God Trinity chose to get in the rut of God's love and making God's love real and doing some amazing things. I'm going to just remind you a few of what those things were. For it led you to a compelling, deep, passionate love for children, and the children's wing is uh, one of a kind with these amazing artwork of Trish Petty and her team and uh, those things. That, and, and, and then it led to the uh, creation of a fully accessible playground when Jen Garrett came to the church council to say it's going to be $200,000. And I thought, oh my gosh, but you as a congregation did that so that all children, none would be excluded because it's fully accessible. Because that's the nature of love of God. There's no barriers and it's open to the community and it's, it's such an important thing and we wanted to, children to know that Jesus loved them and so we have the beautiful stained glass that Esther Yoder gave out here with Jesus and the children and the story of God becoming one of us and the nativity story and the other stained glass and when we built this we wanted both traditional and contemporary elements it's just a beautiful thing and then you embrace the beauty of God's world with this with this property and the windows that you can look out on God's creation when you get bored with the sermon you just look out there uh, I'm I don't have anybody in mind when I said that but uh, but there's something special about that and there's an awareness there's an awareness that the sacredness of space both within and without the walls indeed everything God made is beautiful. St. Francis considered the entire world as the sacrament and that nature revealed the presence of God as the psalmist cried out in Psalm 8 and other psalms. I see the church women united are reading uh, Barbara Taylor's book, Barbara Brown Taylor's marvelous book, An Altar in the World. And it's this very same thing that you can find God in the peacefulness of a sunset or in the beauty of a tree. And that's why the glass chapel that we love so much it's nestled in the woods and it's got that glass and Jeff and Christy remember that first Christmas Eve that, that all the glass wasn't in yet and the wind was blowing and Josh built up some lights and and then we pr put prayers on the floor before we put the slate down and and 
Tom Filmer and his father-in-law, Aro Camp, it's one of their crowning achievements to build that chapel. And Jerry Painter, who's not a member of this church, but he had the idea of coral stone pillars. And I tell people those aren't just coral stone pillars. They're, they're an echo of Joshua chapter 4 when the children of Israel were crossing the Jordan River to come into the promised land. And Joshua told 12 people to pick up a rock from the river and put it here in a pile. And they said, why should we do that? And they said, because when you someday when your children look at these pile of rocks, they're going to say, what do these rocks mean? And you're going to say, because once we were wandering forever in our lives and now we're home. <laughs> you tell the story, you remember. And so those rocks, those columns, they're memories of very important things. It's, it's important it's important to remember. I hope someday, sometime today, you'll share a story of you, with your children or grandchildren or friends or students uh, about your history, about your past. This past Easter, our grandkids are too old now to do an Easter egg hunt. So we had this idea we'd do a scavenger hunt and do little notes about some of the family heirlooms that we've inherited. And so there's the Waterford Crystal lamps and there's the Singer sewing machine and there's the on and on and on. So we wanted them to have a sense of who they are. And I'm writing my autobiography, bits and pieces of it, and I decided to send it two or three paragraphs out once a week. And I told them, please feel no pressure to read these. And I don't think they do feel any pressure to read them. Uh, I haven't braved it to ask, but uh, at any rate, it's important to tell our story. Juneteenth, important. Once we're slaves and then free. The memorial garden here, how that came about. And we weren't sure what to do. We found those graves and then it became a God thing and special place. And then the Trinity tree and <laughs> the beauty of that place. And then, is there one more? Oh, Jim and, Jim and uh, Vivian Nolan and the beauty of God's creation. And then whenever Trinity whenever we found a gap between us and others, then that tendency to other people to say they're different, uh, they don't belong to us, or this gap, this wall, this othering, uh, then God called us to close that gap and open the door, God opened the door for faith mission. And I think we have a couple of those where, where the intent of the circles is to, to close the gap between different people because we believe what Paul said in Galatians that in Christ Jesus there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, we're all one in Christ. And then, I'm almost done. Oh boy, it's almost time, isn't it? Can you give me two more minutes? Oh, How about three? No. Uh, so uh, 11 years ago, Many of you were here, many of you remember when our neighbor across over here was going to burn the Koran. It, it became a worldwide event, didn't it? We had 40 or 50 news outlets from around the world, Le Monde, Al Jazeera, 50 of them. I'll never forget the night a Turkish reporter and a, and, a, and a camera person came into our office, my office. They were, they were in shock. They were still nervous. I said, what's the matter? We just came from Terry Jones' office. We went in. He closed the door. Locked the door. He had a gun. Asked where we were from. I didn't tell him I was from Turkey. I told him I was from Russia. <laughs> and I, so, so, so it was the State Department. I mean, it became a, a phenomenal thing. And he, he had sent his kids to school with Islam is of the devil. And, 
And, and, and I'd grown up, I didn't know any Muslim people, but I knew Jesus. And I had this sense. And fortunately, Trinity had been in this rut of 50-some years <laughs> of the love of God. You know what I'm saying? And so that what would Jesus do? Well, Jesus would extend love to people and understanding and grace. And we'd come together and we formed the Interfaith, Interfaith Forum. And we had this amazing event called the Gathering for Peace, Understanding, and Hope. The night before, he was supposed to do that. And all those news agencies, and Terry Moran from ABC, they all came over here. And we, had the, we got... 30 seconds, 20 seconds of this video that DJ Head did of that night. I want you to see it if you hadn't seen it before. It's a great night. can say with, with great truth that I, I feel like I'm more in love with Jesus than I ever have been in my life. And I'm more committed to understanding and grace and kindness and learning about persons of other faiths, believing that God's grace and love is for all of God's children. What about your legacy? Encouragement more than being right? Christianity is a relationship. 60 plus years ago, Trinity got in a rut, the rut of God's love, and you haven't gotten out of it yet. 50 years ago, in two months, tomorrow, Jan and I got in a rut. <laughs> it was the best thing that ever happened to me. And I came out of that marriage and into that marriage, and I said, oh, that's, that's what God's love is like. <laughs> and I have a feeling that's what everybody we ever know wants to know. Who is God and what's God like? He's a God of infinite love and grace. Pray with me, would you? God, thank you for this day, for your message, for this church, for all these marvelous lay people who've embodied the love of God in Christ Jesus and who are hands and feet of Christ in the world. Thank you for Steve and Catherine and their leadership. Continue to bless them and pour out your grace upon them in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen.